Hello listeners, this is Carla just jumping on ahead to explain that this episode was actually recorded the weekend before the awful events at Notre Dame. We delayed the release, obviously, out of respect, and we hope that now a little time has passed, it will be taken in the spirit it was intended, as with all of our shows, just a very light-hearted look at a Disney film. No more, no less. Our thoughts are, of course, with France, and anyone affected by the fire that happened there. We've got a new sponsor. Yes, www.badfishmerch.com, where listeners can get 10% off with our promo code THEMEPARK at checkout. Tell me more. They can do any slogan or picture using all sorts of vinyls, including rainbow, leather effect, glow in the dark and even reflective i'd quite like to see myself reflected in someone else's slogan that they were wearing creepy (laughs) but you too can be creepy at www.badfishmerch.com using promo code theme park what slogan sums up this show chaos ensues lovely roll the titles Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will write the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as everyone joined by Holly. Hello. And this week we are discussing The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which was released on the 21st of June 1996 in the USA and the 19th of July 1996 in the UK. But before that, as ever, we're just going to briefly talk about where it featured in a theme park, as that is the criteria for the show. We'll just talk about the Orlando Park. It was in Disney Hollywood Studios, which at the time was called MGM Studios, which is what we still call it. And it was the Hunchback of Notre Dame musical extravaganza or musical something or other. It opened on the 21st of June 1996 and closed on the 28th of September 2002. So it had quite a long run in there. Mm, it did. Six years, just over. Uh, it replaced the spirit of Pocahontas. And you can listen to our Pocahontas episode. It's one of my favourites, actually. Very underrated episode, that. I think probably a lot of people bypass it. But it's very funny. It doesn't say what actually came after it. So upon a little bit of digging, it seems that nothing did and it just uh, the park had a little bit of a shuffle and that area was closed off. It was part of the back lot area. Did you ever see it, the stage show? Oh, I don't remember seeing it. But, I, you know, I've got to be honest. 
this film is quite forgettable. I mean, that does sadden me a little bit because I quite like this. Well, I thought I quite liked this film as ever until I rewatched it, and then okay, I see its flaws. And I, I'm not saying you know necessarily it's not a good film or anything like that. It's just quite. I don't know if someone said name twenty Disney films. Yeah, obviously now I would know this, but until you mentioned it sort of last week or whatever, I co- it completely had just gone off my radar. I think this is kind of like if if Disney was an album, this would kind of be you know side B album track. It wouldn't be a single. Oh, I agree. And you know, like for example, if we're talking like now CDs, it would be mm. CD two, number eighteen. <laughs> You know, when you get into that down there and then it gets really weird. I kind of get what you mean. I do get what you mean. I think I might have somewhat of a false memory because I was working at the cinema when this came out and it was in the 90s. And as you know, that was the whole time for when Disney was huge. Mm -hmm. Everything was a big thing around any Disney release. And in the cinema, I remember it really clearly because it was quite an awkward thing that they used to have this thing called, and they probably still do, called interlocking films, where if the film was really popular, it would show in two or three screens at exactly the same time. Oh, okay. Just so that, that the overspill could then go into a different screen. Yeah. And it was out on the same week as Mission Impossible. Oh. So the only two films I could offer anyone at the box office was Mission Impossible or The Hunchback. It had six screens. They were both in three of them. Um, and what was more popular? During the day, obviously, Hunchback. Mm. In the evening, I think Hunchback went down to two screens and Mission Impossible was in four. Wow. So maybe maybe I remember it as being a bit more important than it actually was in reality because I just remember being mega busy. I do think I remember, I do remember being, like I must have gone to the cinema to see it and I think my child mind took me. How poor. Was it Mary Poppins? I remember liking bits of it but it never being like oh this is like the best film in the world no I I get that it probably wasn't many kids favorite Disney film I understand that but just before we go on to the film just in case people are interested the stage show I, I really liked it and I do remember seeing it a couple of holidays running because I really like the music for this film i really like tudor music well no that's random but i've got like i've got a tudor playlist on my spotify um what what (laughs) (laughs) i just really like that time era i I like that era of music during the tudor period you know some people like the 1990s holly i just like tudor okay like what what sort of music is on a tudor playlist Fluty and drummy type. Like, is it green sleeves? <laughs> Did you make this? I might have researched Tudor music. You made a playlist. <laughs> Maybe like Spotify should do something like a bit like you know a dating app, and you know people that click on to sort of you know for example Tudor music <laughs> brings certain people together. I'm not sure I'd want to meet those kind of people. <laughs> Back again to the stage show. It was basically the same as the the Lion King stage show, the Tarzan stage show. It was just they recreated a very condensed version of the film for about half an hour. You got the 
best songs from it. It was outside, but kind of sheltered. And it was one of those things that was just nice to sit in. Yeah, nice sit down. Yeah, it was a sit down thing, you know, get a snack, just sit down, chill, and then go on to the next thing. So there's not many of those left in Disney now. They seem to have moved away from that. You do need that. Yeah, sometimes you just need to chill out with a hunchback and that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. I am surprised that they don't make more of this in France, in Epcot, because you see like Belle hanging around France. You'd think Esmeralda would pop up every now and then because Snow White outside Germany and Frozen outside Norway. Yeah. You think they would, you know, use these characters a little bit, but maybe, like you said, kids nowadays perhaps don't even know about this film. I don't know. Probably not. Sorry, I just was halfway through yawning. Rude. So any listeners that have children, do they like The Hunchback? Have they seen The Hunchback? Well, not Holly, because she was yawning through it. She don't care either way. But I'd like to know. I know. I would be intrigued to know. I think it would be a no, but I'd like to know. On to the film. Great opening song. I text you this. You have to admit, great song to open with. Because you texted me and said, this is such a great opening, (laughs) I was expecting more. I think you built it up. It's just quite um, bombastic. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know. I don't know if I'd describe it as that. Anyway, it's set in 1482. There's a mysterious bell ringer. How do you know it's set in 14-whatever? Because I identified the music from my Tudor knowledge. Okay, of course. No, I think it says it. I think it says it somewhere in the in the song. Oh, okay, fine. And there's a mysterious bell ringer, and gypsies are being captured by Judge Frollo's men. Yeah. You see a mum running off with her baby, and she bangs on the church begging for sanctuary, but Frollo snatches the baby and pushes the mum, and she's killed on the steps. They don't know it's a baby, though, to be fair to him. He thinks that she's running away with like Some stolen, stolen goods. goods or something. Yeah. I love that already you're being fair to Frollo. I, I feel you identify with this man. No, I just am saying like at that point he didn't know. And I think that just needs to be shared. Needs to be clarified. Yeah. So he opens the blanket and he calls the baby a monster and takes it to the well to dispose of him. Mm-hmm. But the Archdeacon stops him and says he's being judged by Notre Dame and advises him to raise the child as his own. I thought that was very reckless of the Archdeacon, considering he knows how awful Frollo is, that he would think that was a good idea. Actually, there's just a couple of things. I'm really shocked that you know everybody's name. Okay. Because, you know, normally we're just like the guy who was in the church so yeah. that is a bit of a shock sorry yeah i agree and, and also just a bit strange it was like this man just was like you know you need to raise him as your own and he just was like okay yeah <laughs> you know everything else through the film he doesn't really he decides what's going on but this is the one thing he's okay fine you might come in use one day mm. yeah as you said frollo agrees and he says that he must live in the bell tower and he calls him Quasimodo, which means half-formed. We then cut to Quasi, all grown up. And it's the Festival of Falls in the town below. He's chatting to some 
bird, not a woman, like an actual bird, not just being wildly sexist. And then the gargoyles come to life. Did you enjoy the gargoyles? Not terribly. I guess I get why they were there. Why did we need three? Yeah. He gets sad that he will never get to leave the bell tower and he's too scared to ask Frollo to go. But the gargoyles convince him to go in disguise. Yeah. Frollo rocks up before he can go with some lunch to teach him his alphabet. Bit old for that, isn't he? Uh, 20, isn't he, I guess. What, did you learn your alphabet at 20? Well, no, but I also didn't live in a bell tower. (laughs) Oh, okay. So Frollo says Quasi's mum abandoned him and he must stay in the bell tower as anyone else would have drowned him. Yeah. Uh, This is a song, not Tudor, so I wasn't interested in it. But I did note that he's very agile for someone that's got... You know, obviously some kind of disability. He's very agile springing around. Very. (laughs) It's ridiculous. What I want to know, actually, is, you know, when he was young, Mm. he couldn't have just left a baby there, Mm. could he, all day? Did did this guy move in with him? Move out when he was old enough? I don't know. I I mean, I presume, I thought maybe the archdeacon might have had some involvement. I thought that, but it just was, it kind of made me feel like he had no friends, which is why he was talking to these gargoyles. And the, we never saw those two together. I can't help you. That's right. Esmeralda is out busking with a goat. Lots of comedy characters in this, lots of comedy sidekicks. We've got a goat who wasn't funny, by the way, did nothing. Might as well not have him. Completely unneeded, wasn't it? Really not needed. And, and, you know, pairing those with the gargoyles as well, it's, that's that's four comedy sidekicks. Seems overkill. And none of them were funny. No. Although I did, it was driving me mad where I knew one of the gargoyles' voices from, and in the end I Googled her and she was from one of the nuns in Sister Act. So if anyone is also really traumatised as to where they've heard that gargoyle before, she was in Sister Act, Okay. So Frollo's men go to arrest Esmeralda, but the new captain of the guard stops them. And I don't know his name, so we're going to call him Captain. Frollo explains to the captain that gypsies must be stopped and the festival falls, kicks off. Quasi falls off a rope into the action. Another great song, Topsy Turvy. It's good. Esmeralda puts on a show and... He gets pulled up on stage for the ugliest face-pulling competition. (sighs) Okay, so this bit. First of all, obviously, he wants to go out and see, you know, what's happening and all of that, and I get that. But it's a bit weird because, obviously, it's like today, you know, he decides to do it. And, um, you know, his master, like, surely would have sold it in such a way that he probably would never want to go out. That's a bit weird. Um. Also, I just thought he has really good eyesight because if I was that high up, I wouldn't be able to see a thing because all the little characters he has, really, (laughs) really. They're very intricate details of their faces. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, look, there's a person. Oh, it's it's a dog. You know, I wouldn't have a clue. So he has 2020 vision at least. It's not all bad, is it? Exactly. He knows what this festival is about. 
why would he let himself get dragged up on stage? There's a difference of going down there, wanting to go out, see what it's like, taking the Mm -hmm. atmosphere to getting yourself on the stage. You'd stand at the back. Even if she tried to pull you up, you'd go, no, get off. Yeah. And you'd run away. You know your master sat watching. I just don't understand. And then, you know, the inevitable happens. And also he should have known because earlier on she said to him, good mask or something. So it's not like they were talking and and she just said, oh, lovely to meet you. And he walked off and, and he, you know, then he was like, oh, you hurt me. Like she had prepared him and he still did it. And Mm. then he gets upset. And also I thought his face doesn't look that bad. I mean, you wouldn't look at it and go, God, what a good mask. You probably... I suppose it's a difficult one because, yeah, I, I didn't think he looked too horrendous, but then I suppose it's a Disney film and they couldn't make him look too bad. Like It must have been quite a, a tough draw because they had to make him look a certain way but without scaring children off watching it. Anyway, when they realise that he's not wearing a mask, it's mega awkward and uh, he gets crowned. But he seems to enjoy it. He seems to enjoy being called the ugliest person. Yeah, you know, which, why not? Embrace it. You know, if you're going to be ugly, be the ugliest, yeah. right? Uh, Frollo's men start chucking rotten food at him. Then he doesn't like it, does he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. This is when, you know, he likes the praise, but he certainly doesn't like the food. The captain geezer wants it to be stopped, but Frollo says a lesson needs to be learned. When he said that, I was like, I agree. <laughs> I can imagine you sitting there, quietly applauding him. Esmeralda goes up and frees him against Frollo's will. I didn't understand why they were tying him up. I didn't. I didn't get no, that. No, it seemed bit. over the top. <laughs> it did. <laughs> bit weird that everybody suddenly sort of turned against him. Yeah, they were cheering, and then one tomato later. <laughs> yeah, and then they all turn their side. They're all, you know, and then it's a bit like, wouldn't everyone have just got over it? Like, you know, got bigger things. You know, got local yeah. cheeses to try or regional cheeses. I think the gargoyle said, you know, go and try that instead of looking You're at it. You're in France. It's the best place to try it. <laughs> yeah, nice glass of red, a bit of cheese, and some bread. Happy days. He demands that she's arrested, but she keeps escaping him by some kind of magic, which wasn't really touched upon again, that that she kind of has this ability to be almost an illusionist, which would have been handy down the line, which I'll get to when she was actually captured. Because, you know, you're, you're kind of making yourself disappear here, but... Suddenly, when it needs to happen, when, when you're really in it, you can't. Mm. So I'll get to that. The captain is ogling her the whole time. And she disappears, but Frollo orders her to be found. Quasi apologises to Frollo and says he will never disobey him again. Again, I thought that was weird. I thought in all that commotion, I'd have just snuck off back to Notre Dame. Tail between your legs. Because then he had to wait. And then again, he had to wait and everybody was sort of, you know, jeering him and stuff. And I just thought I just would have quickly, while it was all on her, wandered off. Yeah. Definitely. Notre Dame is very pretty, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, the way that the light hits the buildings in Paris is just beautiful. Wow. <laughs> Poetic. <laughs> I just like going for Disneyland. 
<laughs> I don't. Disneyland Paris, don't bother. Save up and go to Florida is my <sighs> advice. It's all right for a long weekend, but we've talked about this. Listen to the Armageddon episode for my full review. <laughs> Esmeralda disguises herself and walks into the church with her goat. Captain follows her in and they have some weird flirty fight almost. This was very weird. What was alluded to there was very strange for Disney. <laughs> Don't you think? I think so, yes. I mean, you know, he did sniff her hair a bit weirdly. Um, mm. You know, and then obviously it was like, you know, I know what you're thinking. It all just got a bit, I was like, oh. Yeah, so this is um, this is the, the bit when Frollo walks in and... Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. No, 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 that's fine. That's the next bit. But yeah, it is very, um, quite dark. Hmm. Whole thing, the whole film, actually, you know, you couldn't make it now. I don't think you could get away with calling it the hunchback. It'd be like the curvy shaped man. I think that. I think this whole thing about gypsies is it? Yeah, I think you probably couldn't. There'd be the travellers. Yeah, it's just very. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure it could be. I don't know. Maybe you can say gypsies in uh, America. You know, because over here you would you that's disrespectful. Nowadays you would say travellers. But obviously, even if it was an American thing that was okay they would have to test around the world to check that you know that would that wouldn't offend anyone so mm. um and also quite a lot of religious undertones which i'm not sure i don't know whether that would be touched upon but yeah who knows maybe that's why it's not featured in the theme parks yeah. as much everyone's like oh oh i don't know about that don't talk about that we'll just we'll just ignore hunchback yeah uh, and, and it's true, you never see the character, never see any of the characters wandering around. I mean, not that I go up and meet them, but you can't help but see them out and about. And, and they're not even in the parades or anything, to my knowledge, for mm. years. Frollo, um, after being creepy, is duped by the captain who tells him that Esmeralda has claimed sanctuary. And of course, if you claim sanctuary in a church, you can't be touched. Is that the rule everywhere? I don't know if it's still the rule now. It certainly was. Why don't you go and break the law, run into the church, shout sanctuary and we can see. Okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's see if I'm here for the next episode or if Holly's got a new co-host. And then that will tell you if that worked out. Or oh, it'll be like a small break while we can go and visit Carla in prison <laughs> and do the recording from there. Here I am walking into the prison. <laughs> I mean, it can't be now, because otherwise it's like, you know, playing GTA, isn't it? Like, you run into your house and you're safe. Because <laughs> the police can't get you there. If you go home, you're safe. So, um, any men or ladies of the cloth, get in touch and let us know what the rules are on Sanctuary when it stopped being the law, or indeed, if there is a loophole, let us know. Oh, it's probably going to be like... That ended in 1500, and we'll be like, oh, okay, fine. Sorry, I'm a bit behind on the news. I've been busy. <laughs> so she now can't leave. But as, as I mentioned earlier, she was teleporting around, not five minutes ago, but now she's stuck in a building. Use the magic, whatever the hell you used for, you know, because she was literally in one place and then in a completely different place within seconds. Yes, I agree. And also, I don't really get this. The master said to her, 
oh, you know, you're a gypsy, you don't like being stuck in walls or, you know, mm. something along those lines. Mm. And then she obviously repeated it back and said, you know, no, I can't stay here forever. I'm gypsy. I don't like basically, you know, being stuck. And I just thought, well, if you're going to go, you probably want to have like a game plan. Like maybe I'd have just left Paris. Mm. She didn't really seem to do that, though. No, but maybe she's just, you know, disobedient. She's not stick it to the man. Mm. We then have a song about being an outcast and Quasimodo is mooning over her. This was embarrassing as well. I thought, you know, you've only met her once. And also, and I have written this a little bit later, but we can talk about it now. Stay in your league. It's not all on looks, right? You know, I think everyone is aware of where they are on the league table. Agreed. And, you know, Esmeralda's very pretty, very nice eyes. She's a, she's a, she's a 10. Come on, man. I'd say that she's even out of the captain's league. Agreed. There is the looks element, which, you know, it's not just based on looks and stuff, but no. equally, he's hardly got a lot to bring to the party, you know, that he just lives up in a bell tower and has never left. <laughs> he's not got much of a personality, and that's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. Stay, stay with someone that's a bit of a homebody. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go out? Yeah. She's going to want to go out partying all the time. You know, that guy's not used to that. No, he's not. You know, he has gargoyles for friends. Yeah, they're never going to get on with her friends. And clearly, they're in his head. Mm. Those friends, you know? They're not real. No. Imaginary friends. Yeah. She admires all the stuff that he's made, and he shows her the bells and then the incredible view that he's got of Paris. It's very pretty. He does have a very good view. He has a great view. Pay a lot of money to have a view like that in a hotel in Paris. Gosh, you really would. Quasi says she's not like other gypsies, as she's not evil. Yeah. She tells him that Frollo is cruel and that he's not a monster as Frollo has made him believe. So he says he will carry her downstairs while she carries the goat. Ridiculous plan. <laughs> Why don't they just walk down the stairs to a certain level and then climb out of a lower window? It's madness. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. Really annoyed me. She's, she gives him some woven band and says that when he wears it, he holds the city in his hand and she promises to visit him after sunset. The captain asks Quasimodo to tell Esmeralda that he had to trap her there to save her. Then we get a really bad song where he's carving some figure of her, isn't he? Oh, yes, yeah. And Frollo discovers that she's escaped. So, again, this gets very very dark where he starts burning down people's houses to find her that was really awful oh i mean disney's always had an evil side don't get me wrong but that was very very shocking very the captain rescues the people from the house that frollo's burnt down and frollo tries to behead him because of this but uh he manages to get away and is assumed drowned but esmeralda has dragged him out how he got out of that with all those arrows. <laughs> he realises that Quasimodo helped her escape and we then get the gargoyles singing a song. I will say I've seen this film a lot of times 
not not in recent years. I probably haven't seen it for about 15 years. But when it first came out, I saw it a lot of times. But none of these other than the great Tudor ones rang any bells for me. No pun intended. So they were quite forgettable, actually, I think, this soundtrack. Very much so. Yeah. I don't. I think you'd be hard-pushed mm. to name even two songs from this soundtrack, The Average Person. One. <laughs> he sees Esmeralda kissing the captain and, well, as we've already touched upon, be realistic. <laughs> the captain is stashed under his table and... Frollo is there and he tells Quasimodo that he knows he helped Esmeralda and says that he will attack tomorrow with a thousand men. So Quasi and the captain go to find her. Well, the captain goes and then sort of makes Quasi feel quite bad. And I, I thought he was a bit harsh, actually. Yeah, because he says something about, oh, I thought you were a friend. You know he's got issues, you know. You know he hasn't left. This is a big deal. I Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the captain is trained for this kind of thing. Clearly. They go into this tomb but get ambushed. This was a, a, a pointless kind of sidetrack of a storyline because it turns out it's all okay and Esmeralda's there all along. So it was kind of a bit of filler, I think. Maybe the, the film was coming in too short and they just wanted to add 10 minutes of animation. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on then. <laughs> so Frollo rocks up and he orders Esmeralda to be burnt at the stake. Again, I don't know that would feature in a Disney film nowadays. That's quite horrific. Really horrific. Frollo offers to save her if uh, she goes out with him, put it mildly. And she spits in his face. Now, I did think that was quite foolish of her because I might have gone along with it just to get myself untied from the stake. Oh, yeah, exactly. Quasi breaks out from the chains and swings like a hunchback Tarzan (laughs) (laughs) and carries her to sanctuary. He orders the men to seize Notre Dame, but the captain leads the people to revolt because it is a sanctuary. In all the excitement, Quasi didn't notice that she's dead. <laughs> Frollo appears. <laughs> I put this screenshot on Twitter of the notes, but it just made me laugh because it's so ridiculous. Frollo appears and goes to stab him in the back. I mean, of all places to stab <laughs> a hunchback, you go for the meatiest area it just seems ludicrous don't stab him there that's going to take forever well stupid i'd also mean i just thought it all seemed a bit when you know the lava was pouring out Mm. of the church i mean how many civilians would have died in that would have been a massacre (laughs) it would wouldn't it Anyway, Crosby manages to stop uh, Frollo and she eventually wakes up. we got more yet acrobatics going on and Frollo tells him that his mother died trying to save him. He falls into the fire below because it appears that Notre Dame has indeed turned against him and one of the arms breaks off. If that hadn't have happened, they would have got captured and killed. Like, they did nothing to save themselves from him. It was pure luck. Yeah. The captain saves Quasi, and Quasi gives them his blessing, 
And then they have a snog in front of him. Bit faultless. But no, it's not only that. It's like, why do you have to get a blessing? <laughs> she never said she liked him. She didn't. She was just kind to him, wasn't she? She was just nice. Yeah. You know, uh, my cousin Lauren had, this just made me think of it, she had a hunchback-themed bedroom when she was a kid. Gosh. Yeah, but it didn't, I don't think it had the hunchback actually painted, but I know she liked like the Harlequin stuff and Esmeralda and all of that. And it was really cool. I just suddenly had a flashback of it. We had her sister Becky on for the Little Mermaid podcast and we talked about Becky had a Little Mermaid themed room where it literally looked like she was under the sea that her mum had painted. And I remember her mum did like a, like a Paris themed one for, for her sister and it was really cool. And only Tudor music playing. <laughs> if she'd have been my child, it would have been piped in all through the night to the music. We then get a weird scene outside with some kid touching his face. Did you not find that very odd? I found that very strange. Really weird. So some the people that, you know, because I don't expect you all to have watched this film that closely <laughs> that you know what we're talking about. But basically he goes out at the end, somewhat kind of a hero to the people. And this kid goes up to him and kind of tugs on his face, but not in a nice way particularly. She just kind of looks at him and he takes it as a compliment and gives her a hug. Sort of nuzzles into her a bit. Yeah. Oh, it was weird. And then someone comes along and takes the little girl's hand and, and walks off. Odd way to end it. Odd film, to be fair, when you look back. And I had some questions about this, actually. Um, yeah. It left me feeling not particularly happy. Not because I liked the guy that was evil, before you say. <laughs> it left me feeling a little uneasy because I just thought, it's all well and good, but who's going to look after him now? Where's he going to live? What's he going to do? Well, maybe the Archdeacon will step up, like he should have done 20 years ago. Finally. Honestly. I think he sort of washed his hands off Quasi. Yeah, you know, he did. I, I, he really should have been taking care of him. And, and because he knew that he was being ill-treated in a bell tower. So why didn't he kind of, you know, all right, he was being fed and clothed, I guess, to a certain extent, but he wasn't being properly cared for, was he? No. And I think it would have been nice for, you know, the person, to, him to sort of say, he supports you, he looks after you, but there's more out there to into the world. You know, like if he was sort of saying a bit more like, there's, you know, there's people out there, you know, they'll love you, they, you know, will care for you, blah, blah, you know, and that would, that would maybe then be understanding of why he wanted to leave. Yeah. You know, but we never saw that. No. And he probably would live there. Yeah, I'd imagine he would have lived on site. Hypocritical. Maybe he'll go and live with, uh, well, I was going to say he'll live with Marilda and the captain, but she does, she's, she's going to be flighty. That relationship will never last. It would never work. And even if it did, what, the three of them, it would be like sister wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sister wives. One of my favourite shows, guys, on TV. I adore sister wives if anyone hasn't seen it oh my god what a treat you're in for it's on to series 13 now or season 13 
Oh, I've got that to watch after me and you finish. Great. Can't wait. Love it. That's and that's the thing. That's why it left me feeling uneasy. It wasn't like a, oh, okay, it's a happy ending. It, it, there was a lot of questions. There was, what's he going to do? What, you know, Esmeralda, the captain. They're not going to. They're not going to stick around. She's going to be off on the road, wanting to do some dancing or something like that. You know, back probably with with her people. You know, now that they're mm. freed. Um, uh, it's not going to work, and it just left me feel, feeling you know very uncomfortable and people are fickle you know today he's the hero but tomorrow he'll everyone's probably over him true we've had quite a few shout outs though holly more than the average mm. on this interestingly so we've got that's her story as in it would be that's history but it's her story okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you that's all right. It's, it's difficult when, when you're not reading it. I just wanted to put some context behind okay, it. Yeah. Absolutely underrated. Hellfire and God Bless the Outcasts are amazing. Frollo is the most realistic villain. Esmeralda is a legend. Achilles has the best name of any animal companion in a Disney movie. I guess that's the goat. Don't know. Mm. And then we've got Comp My Pod says Disney at its best. Frollo is still in my top ten villain list. Top ten's quite a big list. <laughs> I'd say if you're telling if you're asking for the most evil Disney characters, he would he'd probably make the top ten, yeah. Because he, if you're going on what was actual pure evil, because some of them are more like like Captain Hook, I don't think it was evil at all. I think Peter Pan was evil. Go and listen to that episode. Well, Peter Pan's annoying. Yeah. Of course, retaliating. That was that. Yeah, that was that. But, you know, in terms of out-and-out out evil, he'd be up there probably. Yeah, I agree. But I'd like to know, you know, like in the top ten, but like where does he feature in the top ten? Are we talking like top, you know, high top ten, low top ten, you know. Well, what's the criteria? Do you mean uh, your, your favourite villain, as in you like watching them? You know, like uh, Ursula's quite a fun villain to watch. Mm. Or do you mean really awful? We need some clarity. Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. Mm. At Becky Sten, my cousin, who I was just talking about, she, didn't have, she had the Little Mermaid room, not the Hunchback room, says, it has my favourite Disney quote of all time, Life is not a spectator sport. If watching is all you're going to do, you're going to watch your life go by without you. I didn't even pick up on that, Becky, so I do apologise. I did. Did you like that quote? I did. And I, I actually think there was a few things in there which they said which were quite good. You know, the other one where they said, one of the gargoyles said to, to Quasi, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness and seek permission which i think is very you know very good quote of, for life mm, quite profound isn't it mm. uh, becky goes on i literally can't get into a cathedral today without thinking of the hunchback of notre dame it's still there as my reference point for all of them fair enough lyle says, I used to have nightmares about this film that Quasimodo was in our loft and trying to get in my bedroom. I haven't been able to watch it since. So that, you know, you know, it's something you can torment him with. 
It's always good to know your friend's weaknesses, I find. I don't know how you pronounce this. I'm sorry. I know I pronounce names so wrong, and I know you all tell me afterwards, so I apologise in advance. Fanta Dim says, I really love the film. Whilst it takes liberties from the original book, it has its own story to focus on and tell, and it does it well. It's not just a looks-can-be-deceiving story. It has elements of displaying issues with lust. It also shows the problem of idolising people or viewing them as flawless. It plays around with abuse and religion and self-justification. Plus, the whole film has a much grander feeling. The music most certainly lends to this. It is one amazing score and Hellfire is such a powerful song. It plays a big role in my life and I enjoy any chance to share my opinion. Well, you've certainly done that, so well done. That was a lovely shout out. Very thorough. Well, I mean, that is probably, you know, more insight in that 30 seconds that you've just read out than the whole probably hour than we've done. I might pop in the show notes. Just head to this part to hear what is actually happening. And if, you know, you've got time to kill, listen from the start. Rough Giraffe Podcast, who, of course, designed our brand new logo. So thank you for that says, I hate this film, so I asked my sister who watched it maybe 20 times when her daughter was little. She says, it's very forgettable, there are no good songs, there's no good love interest, Quasimodo should have got all the credit for saving the gypsies. That woman just took advantage. In short, it's not a good film. I agree. We then have Quasimodo, so Quasimodo and then loads of A's on the end, says, this is my favourite thing in the world. You can name pretty much anything, and I've done it, seen it, own it, etc. My obsession scares people sometimes. Ha ha. But when I say I love Quasimodo, I quite literally mean it. You're absolutely right. That terrified me. And I should imagine that Lyle switched off by now as well. Thea Go Real says, my favourite Disney movie. Our friend of the show... Sandy Shark, who did an amazing impression on the Monsters, Inc. show for us, says, my bets are that Holly hates the gargoyles. Are you right? Correct. And a fan of this show would know that. So we know he's listening. (laughs) Yes. And then, of course, we've got we've got a surprising shout out. You know, who's given us a shout out, Holly. I've left I've left her till last. It's, oh. it's your twin sister has given us a shout out. Oh. Emma. She says, I loved this film, and she's put heart by it, and says, I really liked Esmeralda's style, especially her jewellery. I bet she hasn't watched this for ages, and I bet if she watched it again, she'd change her mind. You should have watched it with her. She, yeah. <sighs> but we agreed she'd do another one, didn't we? Despicable Me kind of would have been interesting. To have her on this one, too late. But I, I think she's saying that as someone who hasn't watched this for the last <laughs> probably like 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. My memory of it was a lot better than when I actually watched it. Not that I didn't enjoy it. It was fine. But I really, I thought I really liked it. And afterwards I was like, yeah, it was fine. Not, I wasn't bored during it or anything like that. But it is forgettable. It's a forgettable Disney mm. film, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a hell of a lot of shout-outs. We don't get that for some massive films that we've done. So, obviously, 
there might not be as many people that like it, but the ones that do seem to really like it. They do. Yeah. Okay, so have you got anything you want to add at this point? No, I don't think so. Wonderful. So you can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films or Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast or you can email us themeparkfilms at hotmail.com and we are also the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. If you head to Britpod Scene on Twitter, all the retweets are the shows that we endorse. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.